Welcome to Not Going Quietly, the podcast where we inspire growth, beat down biases and get into all sorts of good trouble with co-hosts Jonathan Beale and Britt East. No topic is off limits as we explore ways to help everyone leap into life with a greater sense of clarity, passion, purpose and joy. So get ready to join us for some courageous conversation because Not Going Quietly starts right now. Hey everyone, welcome to Not Going Quietly, the podcast for outraged optimists and heartbroken healers where we talk about everything that nobody wants to discuss. We're your host, I'm Britt East with my co-host, Jonathan Beal. Jonathan, it's great to see you today. How's it going? Have you? Yes. Well, um, I've recently had a period of unwell and so I am deep in the recovery and I'm feeling good. I'm excited for today's episode. Yeah, it's good to see you again. And you? It's, it's been through the ringer, I know. Um, I'm doing really well. I am. Um, I'm really excited about today's episode. We're going to talk about what the heck is with gay guys and bisexual guys. Like, why can we not be friends? Why do we have to hate each other so much? And I'm really excited to dig into this because there's a lot of energy out there around this topic. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Having had. 15 plus years of direct lived experience of the animosity um and not and from me degree. not from me no not from you no we no we've we've always been good um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, the the how that external stuff becomes internal right because um when somebody tells you you are something for long enough eventually you're going to believe it um, and when you start out of the gate with people telling you that you don't exist, it it can be quite jarring. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I wonder if in today's societies, such that you can even compare these things, if it's harder to come out of the closet as a bisexual guy than a gay guy. I mean, it's how do you quantify that? But I just think that there's so much confusion and prejudice about bisexual people i i i i have a lot of empathy and i know i identify as gay and i know that um in the gay community we have this weird hostility towards bisexual men in particular and i can't help but notice that we don't have the same hostility towards bisexual women which makes me kind of believe there's some misogyny involved and in, and in, you know homophobia involved inward homophobia involved because i know that we live in this patriarchal culture at least in the u.s and i i can't help but think that somehow those things are linked yeah and and i wonder if there is an element of misandry in there too right like i um an almost uh push against what is perceived as uh masculinity i suppose and and i'm not saying for one second that gay men are not masculine what i'm saying is that if there's a hint of straightness in a man that is also masculine that that is lumped together as um the patriarchy right and and what's really interesting about that is i i have been unpicking for the last couple of weeks my um biases towards straight men myself and the issues that i have with the generalized idea of a straight man um and so i kind of get it 
Like, I kind of get it from that perspective, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe clutching at straws. No, I mean, picking apart straight men is my favorite pastime. So I think it's a great (laughs) place to start because, I mean, they're basically burning the world down for the last few millenniums. So it's a, it's a, it's a great place to start. But first, I think that people should know we are recording this on September 23rd, 2021, which is international bisexuality visibility day it's a pure coincidence we did not plan this it's fate it's kismet whatever you want to call it but i mean who even knew bisexual people got holidays and months that's how <laughs> clueless gay men are we're so self i mean i had no idea there's i'm like they get a bi- visibility what what is this thing is there a parade that i we don't have know our about? own flag and everything <laughs> <laughs> But in all seriousness, you brought something up, which I think there's so many myths that we have as, as gay men about bi men. And, and, and one of them is in our fear fetish relationship with bi guys that we sometimes have this prejudice, this story that we make up based on nothing, <laughs> that bi men are more masculine than gay men. And if we happen to... Um, have a fetish or tend towards uh, attractions or tend towards the masculine, then we might conflate those two things. And, and you know, the flip side of the coin of fear is fetish. And, and we might sort of gravitate towards bisexual men in a way that dehumanizes them. Sure, we all want to be liked. We all want to feel attractive. But if we're dehumanized and objectified in the process, eventually that gets boring, if not insulting. And so, you know, that's that's one of the big myths. I mean, you can be bi and fe- you can be a bi man and feminine. You know, you can you can be a bi woman and and feminine, masculine. They really, they don't go together. They don't, you know, one doesn't imply the other. No, I think you're kind of hitting the nail on the head in terms of stereotypes, right? I think we have um, <clears throat> we have this desire as humans to put people in boxes and to generalize and to um, to create an idealized or not version of what we think a label is or should be, and it's frightening just how much that cuts us off from connection. Yeah, I mean, it's like a defense mechanism gone wrong, a survival tactic that no longer serves us where they help us create all these assumptions about somebody so we can evaluate our sense of safety, Um, especially as gay people where we have good reason to feel unsafe in the world. You know, it's still the case in many locations around the world where it's safer to be alone on the street as a gay man than with another gay person. And so we have really good reason to fear, especially straight men. Um, but that, uh, you know, as we step into our agency as an, as adults, um, you know, some of these tactics that maybe once served us well in a certain time and place and age and era are no longer of use and they're actually limiting our access to love. We, we're limiting our accessibility and availability to all these rich friendships and relationships and even romances with bi men when we dehumanize them by reducing them to, um, oh, look how straight acting he is or look how masculine he is. I, I have a I have a physical reaction to the term straight acting. I will. <laughs> <laughs> makes me really uncomfortable. Um, but I sort of like I really understand. There's there's an element of um, of being able to slip under the radar and um, to be straight presenting and to 
to walk down the street or be in public spaces and not be assumed to be a particular way. Um, in fact, the assumption is heterosexual. And and I do want to say to your point that it is BS, right? Because I know that <clears throat> how someone presents or their energy is not usually in any way impacted by their sexuality. There are so many hyper-feminine straight men in the world and hyper-masculine straight women in the world. And so, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this thread. As per. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, like you're saying, somebody can present, uh, a man can present as masculine and and we can make assumptions that he is straight and he's really gay or he's really bi. A man can present as feminine and we can make assumptions that he's gay and he's really bi or pan or straight. Um, these assumptions are just kind of silly um, when we make them as adults. You know, w once we have some lived experience in the world, it's, it gets kind of silly to lose our sense of wonder and curiosity at, at all of nature's miracles and, and the full breadth of its variety. And the way we our gender expressions present on a daily basis changes from time to time and how we label these are culturally constituted. What is now called masculine wasn't always called masculine. You know, men used to wear makeup, men used to wear pink, and that was considered masculine. So these are just trends that ebb and flow in culture and society, and, and to develop any sort of attachment to them is a little uh, amusing, silly, and self-destructive. Yes, I completely agree. And I go on. Sorry, it brings up an, another myth as well that gay men have about bisexual men, which is that they're all really just straight guys and they're on the down low and they're just like, you're already breathing hard. I'm like, so, <laughs> I know we've been really vile towards bisexual guys. I apologize on behalf of all gay men, <laughs> but they're just closeted straight guys living the life. And then when they want to dip their toe into that pond, they come down to the gay bar and put on their tight shirts and dance the night away. But as soon as they sense any prejudice, or any discomfort, then they run back to their wives and their straight family, which is just patently false. There are guys who do that. That does not imply bisexuality or pansexuality or anything else. Those two things are not linked. No, and, and it discounts and disrespects a human being's experience. We have no idea what's going on inside people's heads. We have no idea the experiences they've had in life. And so to make an assumption as grand as that, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's right to use a label in a way that harms the label or creates issues for people within that subset of a community. But what I am saying is, you don't get to play with somebody's mental health and discount them and disrespect them when they're living their experience as best as they can with the resources that they have. And yeah, it kind of gets my back up. And <laughs> there was something else I was going to say in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I think the reason I'm so passionate about that is because my lived experience is one of torturous 
um, confusion and being continually told that you must fit a predetermined, decided label, not decided by your subset of the community, but by somebody else's, that you exist or don't, and that ultimately you must make a decision about who you are. I want to swear a lot. Um, <clears throat> you should swear. Uh, well, I mean, get fucked, right? Like, you don't get to. You, <laughs> you don't get to tell... You don't get to tell me my experience. You don't get to tell me that I'm pretending. You don't get to tell me that uh, my feelings, emotions, and experiences are invalid. You don't get to. Just because you feel insecure of the fact that I exist. No, you don't get to. That's, that's, no, that's no better than transphobes or any other phobic um person when it comes to a human identity or a human lived experience you, you just don't get to you don't get to tell me who I am or who I'm not or who I'm going to be because you've decided that that's where I'm going to end up no even if you've been hurt by bisexual guys before you still don't get to invalidate somebody else's experiences sorry you were hurt love you mean it you deserve all the empathy in the world it's in the moment you weaponize that experience then we've got a problem because this is all based on choices and behavior when you choose to exhibit bias and bigotry stigma when you choose to perpetuate prejudice then you have crossed a line and it doesn't mean you don't get your birthday it doesn't mean christmas is canceled for you it means that your behavior is morally wrong and so that's kind of where we're coming from. And Jonathan, I think, led us to another myth that gay men um, have about bisexual men, which is they don't exist. They're just gays in training. Some people think bisexual men are all straight. Some people think bisexual men are all gay. That maybe back in the day, some gay men first came out as bisexual as they were dipping their toe in the water and trying to, um, you know, act in a way that would preserve their physical safety and their mental health with all sorts of valid reasons around that. That still doesn't mean that bisexual people don't exist just because that you did that and some of your friends came out that way that doesn't mean bisexual people are all gay and they're just kind of dim or haven't figured it out yet <laughs> yes and and it was so what's interesting about that is i did the opposite i came out as gay and then came out as bisexual. I didn't okay, now you had, now I have literally until, I, and I knew this about you, but I had never heard this story. So I, I hope yeah. that maybe you could share some of that. Yes, I will. Um, way to begin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's as straightforward as that, really. I was 16 and I was, I knew that I was attracted to men and, um, and I was dating guys at the time. And I remember coming out to my friends as gay at about 16. In fact, funny story, my mom asked me if I was gay. And um, I did not know that. Like, yeah, she did. We were, we were decorating my bedroom at the time. And she said, okay, and I remember well, the song we were listening to at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So that kind of gives it away. We were redecorating our house. Yeah. Told, that was a joke. <laughs> Don't write me letters. Um, and yeah, she flat out asked me and then um, oh. <clears throat> outed me to my family, which I'm, you know, it's neither here nor there. 
Um, fortunately, my family are very accepting, most of them. Um, and and then, yeah, I was. I remember a couple of years went by. I mean, I came out screaming. Like, I was like, everyone needs to know that I'm gay and they're going to well, know whether they want to or not. You were probably really cool. It probably gave you a lot of street cred <laughs> back, you know, in, in those days. Possibly. Um, and then, yeah, I was 18 and I was like, something doesn't feel right. Something feels off. Something feels like it's missing here. And, mm. I, and, and I am absolutely still attracted to women. I am absolutely wow. um, still interested in the idea of romantic relationships with them. And, and so I was just like, this is not me anymore. Like, and it probably never was. I think I was, I assumed that I, that I had to make a leap, um, straight to something really hyper-defined because co the community had told me that I needed to, I felt pressure that I needed to define myself as gay. Um, and then began 15 years of unpicking all of the internalized biphobia, bi erasure, and um, I suppose internalized homophobia too. Um, and there's a, a, something else I want to add in here because I think it's really important. I think when we, <clears throat> I am not saying that, that it is inherently right or wrong to come out as bisexual and then, and then come out as gay. Like, I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently right or wrong about that process. I understand that it that it potentially devalues bisexual as a label and as a term. I appreciate that. And you don't get to define somebody's experience and coming out process. And the danger I see is that in demonizing bisexuality as much as it has been, those people who are straight and who are confused and actually are bisexual but can't say it because bisexuality has been demonized so much, what you're actually doing is removing the ability for people who are a part of our community to join our community. Because being bisexual is bad, wrong, doesn't exist, whatever you, you know you want to say about it. You are disenfranchising, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. Um, but you are cutting off a, a the ability for us as a species to connect more deeply and be more accepted if you are not willing to accept bisexuality or any version of that, pansexuality, whatever, as real. Um, off my high horse now. No, it's, I mean, it's also, it's just not politically practical. Aside from all the really important human issues that Jonathan points out, we just can't afford to, to chop off any members of this community because we need all the help that we can get. And so those that would love us deserve our generosity. Not that it's even generosity to allow people to live their truths. So, the label should serve you. You shouldn't serve the label. So if you're no longer bisexual, then who cares what bisexual people think? That's not as important as you living your truth and being authentic. You know, I had a bit of an emotional reaction in your story. And I think I want, I can't help but wonder if some of the listeners that are my age um, might relate to this as well, that when so many of us came out as gay, we got a lot of pressure regarding going 
you know, going back in the closet or re-identifying as straight through experimentation with women. And yours was what's so cool about your story is yours was the opposite. So we as gay men have all of this baggage, this not all gay men, but a lot of us have this baggage where we don't want to experiment with women because that's not our lived truth. And we don't want to hear that pressure and that story. So we have an aversion. So as soon as you start talking about you know, you came out in this wonderful celebratory moment. And, um, you know, like you said, you came out um, wholeheartedly. And then you you felt something was missing. And to gay ears that are so conditioned by homophobia, by living in this world of straight supremacy, it almost feels like this is not true. It almost feels like you reeled it in and you and you dimmed your experience by um, starting to date women again. And I started in my body, I could feel that aversion to your story building. And that's why it's so important to continually question our assumptions as people. We will never be rid of these biases. We are swimming in a cauldron of them. We live in this society of straight supremacy and it's so insidious. We have to continually each day examine our choices over the course of the day and figure out where we could have done better, where we could have created more love and tolerance and acceptance, and, and maybe where we came up a little short. And so I could feel that physical reaction in Jonathan's story, and I just wanted to share it because I bet a lot of us have these unexamined prejudices, this unattended shame that is then expressed in sideways comments, inadvertence, um, you know, um, inadvertent eye rolling or negative facial expressions or cut off relationships where we're scared to accept people as they truly are and to see the world as it truly is and to see us as we truly are. Yes. <clears throat> Something came up while you were talking. I mean, you were talking about kind of dimming the vibrancy of the experience. Um, one thing I will say, one thing that I have always struggled with, one thing that has been um, difficult to handle is the idea that if I'm in a relationship with a woman that I lose access to the gay community because there is so much vibrancy, colour and life that I love and adore about the community as a whole. And we will and cut you off at the knees. Immediately, immediately. You, you, you're, you're a man in a relationship with a woman. Get the fuck out. Yeah, and that just makes me really angry because I really, it's a safe place for me, the gay community, because I belong in it, and and it really it saddens me that it's the case so often, most of the time, that that this is the way it's viewed. You know, and, and and the same applies for uh, bisexual women. Um, they are also cut off from the community. And I would just question what is so scary about inviting someone who is bisexual but in relationship with the opposite sex? Um, what is so scary about that existing within the community? Yeah, let's talk about it. I think that these prejudices are born out of pain. 
that gay men carry about bisexual men. And I suspect that there's a lot of gay men with stories out there that if I date a bisexual guy, they will just cheat on me. They're sex obsessed. They will be inevitably want something that I can't provide, meaning a female body. They can't be trusted with monogamy, if that's what I'm into. They will just as soon, like I said earlier, the moment things get scary, they'll just run back to their little straight world and, and, and betray me in the end. And I'm sure there's versions of events in, in our lives as gay men where things like that have happened and we have mistakenly attributed to somebody's sexual orientation. As a way to keep ourselves safe, we painted an entire community with that brush of that one set of experiences. Or maybe we had a friend who had that experience and that we don't wanna have because we're so scared of getting hurt. And then we just erase an entire community because we don't wanna deal with it. Life's hard, we're tired, we just can't be bothered, whatever it is. And it is patently unfair to the others and ourselves we are limiting our access to love when we engage in that behavior it's a really wonderful way to find a, the perfect excuse to not have to look at the reality right um <laughs> sorry i've got my direct head on today um <laughs> no i love and, it <laughs> and and there was something else you said in there um and I think it's uh, it's a few things that I want to pick apart. One one is kind of like the hypersexuality, um, because I am not a supersexual human being. I would actually say that the, I am, as somebody whose sexuality is fluid, I am regularly asexual. I have no interest in sex. I am not attracted to people sexually most of the time. I would go as far as to say I am also demisexual. And so that attraction also relies on an emotional connection. So just to blast apart a few <laughs> myths or stereotypes here, like I get that. Um, so it's the greedy thing, bisexual men in particular are greedy because they can have it all. I can tell you that my lived experience is that that is not true, nor is it something that I want. I have no interest in having sex with as many people as I can of all genders. I, I am <laughs> the perfect example of, of <laughs> someone who's not like that at all. I was going to go into details about my sex life then, but I thought I'd stop. <laughs> Well, let me save you. Um, you know, the, if I'm being candid, there are moments in life when I would love nothing more than to be normal. And by normal, I mean straight and masculine, because as fun as it is to be gay, it's also exhausting. And really, that's just another way of saying it's just shorthand for I fucking hate straight supremacy. I'm sick of the patriarchy. It's exhausting. And that's really when I when I sort of use that kind of language around, gosh, I just wish I were normal. That leads to a real dark place of shadows. And if I'm able to relinguage it and and resist the continual pressure of straight supremacy and be like, 
No, I'm just sick of this fucking patriarchy. That feels more empowering to me and leads me to a community and acceptance rather than this sad story, this tale of woe that inevitably kind of leads me to the bunker, wraps me in a cozy blanket of my comfort zone and inevitably alienates me from the world. Yes. <laughs> And I, well, and I think that's, that's so much of where we as gay men kind of resent and are envious of bisexual men, where we, you know, we have these myths, these tales, these stories about them. They're these mystical creatures. Um, you know, we're, we're never, you're never quite sure when you meet one and when somebody discloses it, you know, their, their orientation, it just, all of a sudden you're flooded as a gay man with all of this lived experience and trauma and these questions that you've that you've had that you've never had answered and so i have a lot of empathy for us as gay men around this issue but it's also time for us to grow up it's time for us to get curious to open our hearts and to have empathy for the experiences of people that have their own culture, have their own way of being in this world and, and to have the humility to say like, yeah, who am I to challenge that? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking then <clears throat> you were talking about, there's, there's an element. Of, so two, a couple of things, patriarchy must fall first. Uh, the second is, <laughs> um, is I sort of, I really understand the perspective of, um, being envious of an ability to slip into normal society. Um, because there is an element of, you know, if I meet a female who I fall in love with and end up in a relationship with, for all intents and purposes, from the outside, that relationship could look very heteronormative. And, and thus I would essentially disappear into um into the system right and so i really get it and there's a part of me inside that also screams i wish i could be normal and so uh, that desire to fit into the system and have less prejudice um aimed at you and less discrimination isn't isn't isolated to extremes I too experience it and I too experience knowing full well that even if I was in a relationship, in, a, in a, an opposite sex relationship, knowing full well that that relationship wouldn't be heteronormative, that relationship would not be set up the same way as two cis um, heterosexual people. It, it just wouldn't because I'm not heterosexual. There are parts of my personality and parts of who I am that are patently not heterosexual. And so it's not going to look that way. I am not going to move through the world in that way. I am still going to want to be a part of the community. I am still going to fight for the community. I am still going to have difficult conversations and I am still going to engage in the conversation around it. I am not going to shut myself off from the LGBTQIA community just because I'm in a relationship with a cis, straight, but potentially woman. It's not going to happen. And 
<clears throat> so this idea that I can disappear into it, yeah, it's true to a degree, and I'm going to end up miserable and resentful if I can't be the fully expressed version of myself, which includes the fluidity of my sexuality and the expression that comes with that. Yeah, I, I think that's so beautifully said, and I feel like I learned a lot in that moment. Um, it reminds me of the struggle I've, hear, I've heard of um, masculine gay men. I could never pass a straight, which is liberating as hell. It's also frightening as hell, still. Um, but it doesn't mean that masculine gay men have an easy road in this life. It doesn't mean that masculine gay men have an easy time navigating homophobia and straight supremacy. It's just a different set of prejudices and assumptions and biases they grapple with. They're continually having to come out of the closet, for instance. They're continually having to reassert their space in this world in their own head. You know, and so when you were talking about that as a bisexual person, it's, um, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it just reminded me of that conversation. And I had never thought of that. It felt healing for me and my envy to hear that you have also felt envious about that. It felt connected to you and that I learned something, um, you know, and that's part of the reason why over the past couple of years, I've gravitated more towards the word queer. Because mm. for some reason, that label feels broader and, some, and yet more clarifying to me than all of the constituent labels um, that make up the queer community. Because for me, it's much easier somehow on a cellular, cellular level to think, yeah, Jonathan is in a relationship right now with a woman and he might be experiencing a different set of prejudices from society and he's still part of the queer community as if just the same as if he was in a relationship or have on a date with a guy and um he's he's no less queer you know his sexual orientation is not defined by his partner's body parts no and let me tell you that having experienced both relationships i can tell you that in both i have experienced prejudice and discrimination from friends and family of the person that I've been in relationship with. And mm. so I can tell you that I don't want to say that it's easier to have a clearly defined label. It feels like it is. It feels like being somewhere in the middle is confusing for people and more difficult to accept. And so leads to more discrimination. Um, I don't want to discount the experience of anybody who's been on the receiving end of prejudice or discrimination because of how they, how they identify. And I will say that my experience has been that most of my relationships have been more difficult as a result of my sexuality. Yeah, it has been more, there has been more conflict there has been more confusion. There has been um, a need for or a requirement for more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, affirmation 
Mm. Um, because mostly, and I see that today that this is still true, mostly most people hold a level of distrust around people that can't be clearly defined. And, and that's systemic. And we should also acknowledge the capitalist market forces that continue to perpetuate that so they can sell us products. It's mm -hmm. cheaper for them to sell us products if we have fixed predictable identities. And so all of this goes into the mix. There's a couple other kind of myths I wanted to to bust on on this episode is is um, around bisexual men in particular that bisexual men are not always tops they're not always bottoms they're not always versatile those as vile as those designations are they they really have nothing to do with sexual orientation sorry some bisexual men are bottoms get over it um, yes, they are. you know, you know, that some bisexual guys are trans, just like some gay guys are trans and some gay women are trans and some bisexual women are trans. I mean, they're, again, those two things are not linked. Um, and I just think it's so important that we ferret out these assumptions so that we can create more space for our hearts to connect. Yes, I agree. Now, Having said all this, in all honesty, is it possible that gay guys and bi guys can be friends? Well, I think we're a good example. I know it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not weird. I'm kidding. I mean, I don't know anybody else like this, but I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I think it requires, um, it requires to radically question your assumptions in all aspects of your life. Um, because we do make assumptions and we are um, conditioned to assume based on what we are told. And so, yes, absolutely. If you are willing to see the person and not the label. You know, I agree. I also think that again, in all candor, that this is not an even experience, that if such things could be quantified, that really the bulk of the harm is on the gay side here. I just don't, I have not witnessed or heard or seen, I certainly have no data, but that bisexual guys have these prejudices about gay guys. I just feel like, I mean, I, one of the things I hate about the current media environment was, is we're constantly trying to present um, e the flip sides of the same coin as being completely equal. There's two sides to every story, which is patently ridiculous. Um, and in this case, I am sure there are bisexual people with prejudices and biases of their own and of all kinds, but the ones in the gay community on this topic are so ingrained and so legion and are such a hot topic. In fact, I was talking to somebody just yesterday in the personal growth and development space that we were going to be doing this podcast recording today and about the topic. And immediately without missing a beat, he's like, yep, I've got all that. I've got all of those prejudices. And this is somebody who's been in this space for two decades, like me. And we're constantly trying to kind of like tend to these by it's like whack-a-mole as they pop up you try and address them but um i just think we as gay men have a lot of soul searching to do 
when it comes to wearing our um, stories of harm as a self-righteous shield or a mantle um, to to create an inflated sense of power and purpose. These stories are our medicine, but as soon as we weaponize them or hide behind them, then we are best missing out on life. Yes, there was something I had that was really poignant to say. And as per usual, my brain let go of it. <laughs> so, so where I was going initially was in our relationship. I, I don't know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I bet I have had more prejudices about you than you may have had about me. And I bet I've had to wrestle more with my assumptions about you as a person than maybe you have had to about me within the domain of this topic, you know, about our sexual orientation, just because I think that the bisexual community I suspect is so fragmented and is still kind of, um, you know, earlier kind of in the maturity curve of coalescing as a political force in a, in an activist community that because of that, I just think that, um, you know, I suspect, I suspect that I have been the one in the relationship carrying the bulk of the bias. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I've been, obviously I've been thinking a lot about this episode and, and, and what we might cover. And, and I was, I was doing my best to think of, of any prejudices I may hold about homosexual men in particular. I was like, why can I not think of any? <laughs> like, why am I struggling with this? And and then kind of went through the whole, well, is it because I don't have many bisexual male friends? And to your point, like what's really interesting to me is if we if we look at the data, the likelihood is that bisexual people far outnumber homosexual people by vast numbers if they're allowed to speak up and come forward and 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 connect and congregate and it was kind of to my point earlier that can't happen because of the stigma and prejudice attached to bisexuality and so yeah we don't really congregate we don't we don't have spaces that are that i know of that are and i could be wrong please let us know if i am i'd love to know um <clears throat> but we don't. And so we don't have, we also don't have experiences necessarily that are as painful, maybe. I don't know. There's there's something about this where my sexuality is potentially hurtful for others as a scapegoat for them not dealing with what's really going on. Um, <laughs> whereas I don't have that luxury. Like I can't say, for instance, I'm with a homosexual man. Like I can't turn around and say, well, it must be because of your sexuality. Like I can't do that because it's defined, like super highly defined. And equally, I can't do that if I'm with a straight woman. And there's, there's no extra hooks for me to hook into to develop prejudices or biases 
on. Does that make sense? I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that was beautifully put. Um, I think it's also important to acknowledge that as human beings, we have a wide array of fantasies, of sexual fantasies in our lives, some of which actually blossom into desire. Maybe we act out on some of them. At what point does somebody become bisexual or homosexual? That's really just for them to dis- for them to say and decide. There is no empirical scientific requirement. There is no committee. There is no application. You don't have to pay any dues. You're part of the community if you say you are, and nobody gets to question that. Full stop. Yeah. Perfect. And, and, you know, and I think that creates space for people. Uh, it's also pragmatic because it creates space for people that identify as straight or flexible is often um, the term that's used, who might acknowledge their fantasies about having sex with somebody of the same um, uh, of the same gender, even if they never act out on it, even if it never blossoms into desire, they still might hopefully have the space to acknowledge it and then become more loving, then become better allies. Yeah. I, something popped into my mind as you were talking about, um, I saw articles probably within the last couple of years about, um, straight men having sex with men. Does that make them bisexual or can they still be straight? And, and I really kind of take issue with that. And this is probably a prejudice of mine, but, the idea that you wouldn't identify if you have sex with men as bisexual because you don't want to because of what it might do to you or uh, how people view you. Um, It feels like a really, I am going to show my prejudices here. It feels like a a way out. It feels like it's doing the bisexual community a disservice. because remember, bisexual isn't necessarily biromantic. And I think we get to look at these terms in a, in a better way. Um, because bisexual can only indicate an interest in having sex with the same sex. I don't know if I'm reaching. Yeah, I mean, I think people jokingly call that brosexual, which is sort of a vile... Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, term. And, and I hear you that you want to stand up and be counted. And maybe at the end of the day, certainly a lot of those people in, in a better, kinder, gentler world would identify as bisexual. Maybe some of them would still identify as straight. I personally don't really care, but I just think it's cool if guys feel free to act on their desires. That's an act on act of resistance ultimately, because they are pushing against the patriarchy. Um, just by having sex with somebody of the same gender, they're pushing against the patriarchy, which just inevitably makes me happy. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> any final thoughts for today? I mean, I thought this conversation, I learned a lot, to be honest, and I've been doing this work a long time. And, you know, I wrote a book about this. I have a whole thing in there about bisexuality. And I still learn stuff today just by talking with you f- through the generosity of your lived experiences. So I hope that all of our listeners um, start to have these conversations with uh, the bi people or the gay people in their lives, the straight people, whomever 
Um, the bisexual community is so underrepresented in the media and so underrepresented, I think, in our conversations. I just encourage you to get curious and empathetic and, and you know, um, look, don't, bisexual people are not your tour guides. They're not your docents, you know, but when you, when you have a relationship with them, when they feel like moved to share on their own terms, um, then I hope that, that we outside the bisexual community have the courage to, to join them. Yeah, and I think this kind of touches on a wider theme, right? It's like you you get to be curious, you get to you get to educate yourself, and and you always get to lead in that pursuit with consent. Like for me, it, it would be no issue if somebody asked me for information to know more. It would it would concern me more if I didn't get to say no. Um. And I think that's that's the important thing. You get to be curious, but you don't get to be pushy. Um, yeah. That's really well said. I really appreciate that because I think I and a lot of others would maybe err on the side of deference. And like you said, that, that removes somebody's ability to consent and to choose for themselves. So I, I think that's really well put. You don't get to be pushy. You just get to be curious. I think that's a great note to end today's episode on. I want to thank all the listeners for joining us today for this wonderful conversation. This is Not Going Quietly. I'm Britt East with co-host Jonathan Beal. You've been listening to Not Going Quietly with co-hosts Jonathan Beal and Britt East. Thanks so much for joining us on this wild ride as we explore ways to help everyone leap into life with a greater sense of clarity, passion, purpose, and joy. Check out our show notes for links, additional information, and episodes located on your favorite podcast platform.